Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Well, good morning. And um, the kids' church uh, only starts next week. So um, unfortunately this week there's no kids' church. And I know uh, Trevor and Sharon are still busy with training. They had training yesterday and they'll have training again um, this coming Saturday. So um, you're welcome to get yourself trained. I think the skills that you learn as a kids' church teacher is just very useful for any form of parenting or so. So do yourself a favor and, and uh, consider going to join them. Okay, so let me start with a, with a question. Um, I think for many people, maybe even most people, last year was a, a bit of a tough year. I mean, there was 2020 with a lockdown, and then people thought, okay, 2021, everything's going to go back to normal. And it didn't quite go back to normal, and things did, you know, whistle different, and, and in many ways quite difficult um, for many people. So my question to you is, um, to what extent do you think you've processed what happened last year? And to what extent do you think you're ready to approach the new year? So I just want you to turn to each other in groups of two or three and just quickly discuss that. To what extent do you think you've processed last year? And to what extent do you think you're ready to approach the new year? Go for it. I'll give you a, uh, two or so minutes. Okay. So... I'm going to read for us in a moment from 1 Thessalonians 1, just the first few verses. And, and in this letter, Paul's, Paul's talking to a church that he planted in Thessalonica, but then he got chased out of there. You can read it in the, the account of how that happened in the book of Acts. Just in a, I mean, he literally only spent a couple of weeks there and got the church established and, and couldn't really establish them as, as much as he wanted to. So there's a, there's a shared past that they have, but he didn't know how they were doing. So he sent Timothy to go and check up on how they were doing and ask them, listen, are you okay? And see if they're okay. So, so they have a, a shared past and a, and a, and a shared future. And I think we can learn something from these verses about how to go from a shared past into a shared future. Uh, what can we learn about where to start with our shared past and, and go into our shared future? How can we best process 2021 and best approach 2022? Okay, what, is, what does this verse tell us about that? Um, let me actually just read it for you. So I'm reading from the ESV. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 1 to 6. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love and steadfastness, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, and, uh, we, we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, here Paul mentions 
Um, I think four things that, you know, one thing when Paul sort of discusses his prayer life and, and when he prays for his congregations and, and tells them what he prays for them for, then I always, it always sort of strikes me what Paul doesn't pray for. Because, I mean, he mentions here they, they received the word, the gospel, in affliction and suffering and hardship, and yet he doesn't pray for their circumstances to change. He says, I thank God for you, and I thank God for your, your faith, your love, your hope. And he mentions what's called, you know, the, the three cardinal Christian virtues, that triad of faith, hope, and love, which he mentions elsewhere in Scripture as well. The most famous one is in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, where he says, you know, lots of things will pass away, but faith, hope, and love will remain, and the greatest of these is love. So he mentions this triad of faith, love, and hope uh, in, in many different places in his, uh, in his epistles. And what I want to suggest to you Paul is obviously saying, he says, we are thankful. So he's encouraging them to be thankful as well. And he's saying specifically what he's thankful for. And it's, it's for their faith, but more specifically their work, their works of faith, their labor of love, and their endurance or steadfastness in hope. And, and I think Paul is holding those up as virtues, thankfulness, faith, love, hope, as virtues... You know, if we start from those virtues, then we're starting on the right foot. And I want to hold up to you, if we process 2021 through those virtues and we approach 2022 through those virtues, then we'll be starting on the right foot and, and we'll um, be starting in the right way. Um, those virtues are obviously very important, so, so much so that, that Calvin called this um, a brief definition of true Christianity. Those verses, a brief definition of true Christianity, works of faith, labor of love, endurance in hope, etc. So, so what are those? I just want to mention um, four things about those virtues, those four virtues that, that Paul is holding up to us. The first thing to notice is that all of them are outward focused. You know, one of the sort of unintended consequences of the lockdown in many people's lives is that they turned very inward because they no longer had to go to work, because they no longer could interact with people so much, because they no longer uh, were exposed to the outside world so much except through maybe social media and so on. A lot of people turned inward. And it, it's, our culture already drives us towards that, towards a self-focus, uh, and now our circumstances, because of the lockdown and everything that happened, has sort of exacerbated that, has, has added to that and made that amplify that and made it even worse. So it's so easy to be self-focused. It's, it's encouraged. You know, it's, it, if, if, you, if you swim with the stream, as it were, then you'll be self-focused. You'll have to swim against the stream to not be. But, but these virtues, thankfulness, faith, love, hope, they're all outward focused. And I think that's very important. So what, what is faith? Faith is, I mean, all of, all of these virtues are firstly focused on God. Thankfulness to God. Trust or faith in God. Love for God. Hope in Jesus Christ. But also on other people. Love towards other people, etc. Um, so, I mean, thankfulness we know is, is just a, an attitude of gratitude 
for what you've received. So it, it humbly, thankfulness humbly recognizes that you have received so much and so much, in fact, that you don't deserve that you need to be thankful for. In other words, thankfulness recognizes that not everything that you have, you've earned. In fact, in a sense, you can say all that you have, you haven't earned. All that you have has been given to you. In fact, there's other place in Romans where Paul says exactly that. What do you have that you haven't received? Even if you have worked hard for what you've received, you've received the ability to work hard. Even if you have worked smart, even if you have worked with a lot of talent, you've received the talent and the ability to, do, to work hard for it. So even that you must be thankful for. Um, faith is confidence or trust in God. Faith says, I can safely obey Jesus because he knows what's best for me and where he guides, he provides. So I can safely trust him. Love, uh, the word love, there is, 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 I mean, there are different words in, in, I mean, in English we only have one word for love, but in Greek there are multiple words. Uh, you have eros, which is romantic love. You have philos, which is friendship love. And then you have agape, which is a, a kind of love, word for love, that was not really used much before the, the New Testament. But the early Christians, Jesus and the early Christians, you know, used that word for the God kind of love, unconditional love. And that's the kind of love. He's, he's, he's talking about labor of love. And he's talking about agape love. In other words, unconditional love. Um, in fact, let me just read to you from, uh, where is it, 1 Corinthians 13, because I think that sort of summarizes love. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it says, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Let me just stop here for a moment. A lot of people will say love is a verb. Love is an action. Which is true, but it's only half true. Because what that verse says is love is not just an action. He says you can do things that are loving. You can give up your wealth for other people. You can give up your life even, you know, to be burned at the stake for other people. But unless you do it in love, it doesn't mean anything. So love is an action for sure, but it's not just an action. Okay? And then he goes on, love is patient and kind. In other words, love is not just about what you do, but how you do it. Love does not envy or boast. It's very relational. It's, it's about how you relate to others, uh, how you speak even. Love is not arrogant or rude, how you think about yourself and how you treat other people. It's, uh, it does not insist in its own way. It's, it's not self-obsessed or self-centered. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. So that, that is what love is. It's, it's a, um, love basically says I'm willing to disadvantage myself in order to advantage others. Um, in, in the great commandment when Jesus in, in, in Mark 12 from verse 29 gives the great commandment, he says, most, the most important commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Notice what he's saying there. He's saying love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. So it encompasses the whole being. It encompasses your emotions, for sure. It encompasses your thoughts, mind. It encompasses your strength, your abilities, and your actions. So love is a, is a whole life commitment to someone or something. A whole life commitment. Um, hope. Um, when we think about hope in English, the sense we get is a sense of uncertainty. When you say, I hope the weather will be fine, then you're not saying, I'm not sure it might be bad weather, but I'm hoping for good weather. Right? Or, I hope I might get a promotion. I'm not sure. So there's uncertainty in the English word hope. But in the Greek word hope, there's no uncertainty. In fact, there's much certainty. It's an expectation based on certainty. You know, we hope... We are confident, because we hope, we are confident that he will complete the good work he has started in us, even to the coming of the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Philippians 1 verse 6. I like the way um, Jonathan Edwards put it. He says, our bad things are turned for good, our good things cannot be lost, and our best things are yet to come. And I think that sort of encompasses Christian hope. It's, It's a certain expectation that, Our bad things will be turned for good. Our good things cannot be lost or taken away. And our best things are yet to come. So it's it's a a powerful expectation, positive expectation for the future. So all of these are outward focused on God and on neighbor and not on self. Um, After that, after talking about these three virtues, he talks about their conversion. In other words, what he's saying is the reason, because he says four, we we know brothers, and and it would probably be better translated their brothers and sisters because it's um, it's not exclusively male. It's male and female. Brothers and sisters loved by God that God has chosen you because of how you received the gospel. So so what he's saying is, and then he talks about the conversion, is when you have been truly converted through the gospel, your life is radically reorientated away from our natural human, sinful human self-centeredness and self-obsession towards the outward focus of thankfulness, of love, of faith, of hope. So there's a radical reorientation. We, we We are focused upward in thankfulness and faith, outward in love and onward in hope. So the first thing I want you to notice is that these virtues, these four virtues that I'm holding up to you are outward focused. But the second thing I want you to notice is that they're all positive. They're all positive. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know if if this is just my experience, but in general, it seems to me people at least the people I come into contact with in, in Joburg, and, and in fact we were in George for the holiday, people there too, people have generally become a bit more negative, a bit more skeptical, a bit more cynical actually, a bit more pessimistic. But notice that, that these virtues are exactly the opposite. 
You cannot have these virtues and be pessimistic or cynical or skeptical or just negative. They are, in fact, all positive. Thankfulness is focusing on the positive and being thankful for it. Faith is trusting in God and that he knows best and will do what's best for us. Love seeks what's best for others. Hope says that God has good things in store for me. Even if, if the worst happens. Now, now, hope is more than just... Um, it's more than just wishful thinking. It's not just, oh, you know, I'm just going to be positive and optimistic and, 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 and you know, what I hope will happen will, will you know will happen. It's no, God has made certain promises and my hope in those promises are certain. It's more than just optimism. It is optimistic, but it's not just optimism. It's, it's, a, it's a positive expectation based on the promises of God. But, but it's important that we see all four of these are very positive. How positive are you in how you've processed last year? Or have you just written it off as a loss? <laughs> are, are there things that you are thankful for? Or can you not give thanks for last year? Are, are, are there things, do you trust God enough to believe that, he's actually, that he was actually working in you and through you last year? Even, you know, no matter how well or how poorly things went? How would you process last year differently if you process it through thankfulness, faith, love, and hope? Quickly discuss that with one another. I'll give you a minute or two. How would you process last year differently if you process it through these four virtues? I'm, I'm sure you can see that as he's talking about this, that if you process last year through these virtues, then you might process it very differently and it might change your perception of last year and allow you to get things out of last year, you know, to sort of, like I said last year, plunder the gold of Egypt in a way that, that you wouldn't have been able to if you just sort of wrote off last year as a, as a, as a dead loss. But also, I mean, not only looking back, but if you look forward, not only processing the past, but approaching the future through these virtues. How would you approach 2022 if you approached it through thankfulness, through faith, through love, through hope? I mean, if you every day were thankful for the grace that you've received, the things that you've received that you don't deserve, if you every day trusted in God and therefore obeyed Him, if you every day worked hard not just for the sake of working hard or making money or any such thing, but out of love, motivated by love. If you every day had a, a positive, hopeful expectation, not only of a good year, but of a good eternity, no matter how good the year is or not, how would you live differently? How would you approach this year differently? I think um, it would have a massive positive impact on your life. So... Not only are, are these virtues outwardly focused and positive, but they also, if you, if you look carefully at them, they're given. You, he says, he talks about, he says, Paul says, I thank God for your work of faith, your labor of love, your 
endurance of faith, ach, endurance of hope. You don't thank someone unless you've received something from them. Right? In other words, these things are received, they're given. And it's so easy to, to forget that, that, that God has given us these things. And notice that Paul considers these virtues as given by God. God imparts them to us. Uh, later on in, in the letter, he says, God himself has taught you to love, not only one another, but everyone else as well. You love one another well, and you love other people well because you've been loved by God. And because God has loved you, through him loving you, has taught you to love others. And, you know, that, that's, that's how we receive it from God. Now, he doesn't only say it's given by God, but more specifically, he says it's given through the gospel. And, and let me just read those verses again. Um, let me just find them. Here he says, verse 4, he says, um, let me just read from verse 3. Remembering before God... Um, your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that, you, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with, uh, with full conviction. So the, you've only really received the gospel if the gospel starts changing your life. You know, so many people who reject the gospel, who reject Christianity, think they know what Christianity is. And they reject Christianity because they think what Christianity is is not for them, or it's not good enough, or there's something wrong with it. But often they're basing their understanding of Christianity on, on just sort of myths and hearsay. So, so yeah, I just want to... Show you, Paul, Paul basically says that there are three kinds of responses to the gospel. He says the gospel comes in word. In fact, later on, he, he, he talks about it as a message. So he talks our gospel, and then he says, um, just see here, because our gospel came to you uh, not only in word, but also in power, the Holy Spirit, and conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Uh, because you, you came, became imitators of us. And, and sorry, it's, it's not here, but it, later on he says, you, re oh, you, see, you received the word with much affection, or you received the message of the Lord. In verse 8 he says, the message of the Lord. So, so the gospel is inherently a message. It, it contains words. It's a narrative. Okay? Now, irreligious people reject the message, the word, and the power of the gospel. Religious people accept the word of the gospel, the message, but they don't receive the power of the gospel. They receive the word without receiving the power. And people like that will talk about faith, but they won't have works of faith. They'll talk about love, they'll agree with love, but they won't have labor of love. They'll agree with hope and the promises that, that hope comes from, but that Hope that they talk about won't cause them to endure because they've received only the word and not also the power. But true Christians receive the gospel not only as word but also as power, as both. And that's why it radically transforms their lives. 
into an act, a life of active faith, active love, active hope. Um, and, and I mean, that's why we as a church always talk about, you know, discipleship is all about living the gospel, loving the people, obeying the spirit. Because all those elements are here. Paul is saying to the people in Thessalonica, the Christians in Thessalonica, people, you receive the gospel, but not only the gospel as word, but through the power of the Spirit. There was conviction. Now, I just want to—I just need to say this. In other words, the, the challenge here is that you can know the gospel, you can hear the gospel and reject it, or you can hear the gospel and accept it, but not experience it. And there are lots of people sitting in church who have done that. They've re- they've, they, they, they have mental assent. They mentally agree with the truth of the gospel, but they haven't experienced the power, the life-transforming power of the gospel. They've, it's like people who have ta- who've heard that honey is sweet, but they've never actually tasted it. They've never experienced it for themselves. And, and, and we must always make sure that, that we receive the gospel not only in word, but also in power, so that it transforms our lives into lives of active love, faith, hope, thankfulness. Um, just how do you know that you've received the gospel in that way? Because the Holy Spirit comes and he brings the power, but that power brings conviction. You know what conviction is? It's when you feel uncomfortable. When what you hear makes you feel uncomfortable, it makes you feel like something's wrong in my life, I need to change, I need to grow, I need God to intervene in my life. It's not always a nice feeling, and that's why many people reject it. Exactly because conviction is not always comfortable or pleasant. So if you're hearing the preaching of the word today, and it's in some places making you feel a bit uncomfortable, you're in a great place. Don't kick against the gouds. Don't, don't fight it. Embrace it and respond in humility to it, in faith to it. And say, God, I repent. I turn. Um, and I thank you for your grace. So, um, so these virtues are outward focused. They're positive. They're given. And finally, lastly, they're active. They're not p- passive. You know, it's, it's so easy, you know. To, to fall into passivity, especially, you know, what we've been through in the last couple of, of years. Um, I, I'm sure there are people who have become so used to um, church online and, you know, you can go to church in your pajamas under your duvet that, you know, it, there's a passivity. You, you don't have to go out. You just order in, what's this, checkers 60, whatever, or pick and pay, or... or take a lot or whatever. So, so, it's so it's so easy to become passive. But what Paul is telling us about these virtues is even though they're given, and, and you might think because they're given by God, I, I can just sit back and, and God must just do it in me and through me. Yes, God is going to do it in you, but that doesn't mean you're not involved in it. That doesn't mean you don't participate. That doesn't mean you have, don't have an active role in it. So firstly, this, these virtues are active in, in, the, in the sense that they have Active results. They're productive. True faith results in work. It results in action. I always think of this little parable. I'm sure it's not necessarily 
true, but it's, it's sort of a parable of, of this guy who was a tightrope artist, and, and he was, he, you know, you know, uh, put a cable across the Niagara Falls in America, and, and he sort of had a big crowd there, and he asked him, do you think I can walk across? And he had one of those sticks, so he walked across with a stick, and he walked back again with his, that pole, balancing pole, and, and, and he said, do you think I can do it without the pole? And the guy said, no, no, you're going to fall into the water, you're going to die. And he put down the pole, and he walked across, and he walked back again. And uh, so he said, well, do you think, and he had a, a wheelbarrow there, you think I can push this wheelbarrow across there? And then they were sort of picking up and saying, yeah, okay, we can see you, you you're, you're pretty good at this, you know, so we, we think you can push the wheelbarrow across. So he pushed the wheelbarrow across, pushed it back again. So do you think I can push a, a, a big bag of cement in this wheelbarrow across? Yeah, yeah, no, we, can, we think you can do it. Pushes the wheelbarrow with the cement across as well. And then he says, do you think I can push a person in the wheelbarrow across? Yes, yes, we think you can do it. Okay, who's getting in the wheelbarrow? Like everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> but that's when the rubber hits the road. You only really have faith. You only really believe. You only really trust if you, metaphorically speaking, willing to get in the wheelbarrow. When Jesus says, I'll push you across the tightrope, get in the wheelbarrow. If, you're not, if, if your faith doesn't really lead to action, it's not true faith. True faith is active. Faith without works is dead. Paul agrees with um, James in that. Um, love. He talks about labor of love. Now, the word labor sounds very like work, doesn't it? But labor has the extra, some, the old King James, I think, translated toil. It, it, it has the element of suffering, hardship. So it's, it's not just work, but uncomfortable work. The only thing that can truly motivate us to do uncomfortable work, I mean, there are other things as well. I'm sure greed can actually motivate us to do uncomfortable work because we, can, we think we can benefit from it. But the only sound motive, unselfish motive, to do uncomfortable work is love for other people. Love that says, I'm willing to disadvantage myself to advantage you. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to do uncomfortable work. I'm willing to toil or labor. I mean, that's why that word labor is used for giving birth. Because, number one, giving birth is hard work. Any ladies that can say amen there? <laughs> and secondly, because it's uncomfortable work. Okay? So, but love results in that. Love causes you to be not only willing, but eager to labor or toil or do uncomfortable work for those that you love, for God and for the people around you. Um, it talks about the endurance of hope or the steadfastness of hope. If you truly hope, hope will cause you to keep on keeping on. It'll cause you to push through. It'll cause you to not give up because there's something that you have that you're looking forward to that you know is waiting there for you. Another sort of parable I had was, uh, you know, well, you can just maybe imagine this, you know, two guys working, doing the same sort of menial, difficult, uncomfortable work at sort of minimum wage. But one of the guys you tell at the end of... Of, of the year, if you finish the whole year of work and you do it well, you receive an extra million rand. The other guy, you tell nothing. The one that you give that incentive, that hope for, he'll, he'll stick it out for the year, no matter how difficult the work is, because he has something to look forward to. But the guy you didn't give that incentive to, he'll probably quit after a couple of weeks. So hope has that 
power to draw us onwards and, and to, to cause us to, to endure. I just want to read you one last scripture, and I want to end off with this. Um, if I can just find it. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. So Paul, in the beginning, gives thanks for the faith, love, and hope. And in the end, he says, but, uh, in 5, verse 8, towards the end of the, the letter, he says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So he starts off by saying, you already have this. God has given it to you. But then at the end of the letter, he says, put it on. Can you see how just because God's given it to us, we can't be passive about it. We can't say, oh, I already have it. That's like if you give someone soap and they say, okay, I don't have to wash. I have soap now. (laughs) No. Just because you have something doesn't mean it applies to your life. You know? Soap has been around for thousands of years, yet there are still dirty people in the world. You've got to apply it to yourself, right? Now, it's the same. You've got to put on these virtues. And that's the challenge I want to leave with you for this year. I want to encourage you. Go and write down somewhere and put up a little, if you can just put up that scripture again, uh, Tubes, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. Like I suggested at the, at, at, at the bottom, put uh, up a note where you can see it the first thing, uh, f- first thing every day. A note that says, continually give thanks and daily put on active faith, love, and hope. Where you can just take less than five minutes to just say, okay, what can I be thankful for? What do I need to trust God for? How can I love pe- God and people better? How can, I, how can I do the uncomfortable work that shows my love for them? And, and how can I take the uncomfortable work that I'm already doing in any case and make sure I'm doing it out of love and not for some lesser motive? How does my hope of eternity, the hope of the fact that Jesus will come back and even if things go wrong, ultimately they will be right, made right? My bad things will be turned to good. My good things cannot be taken away and my best things are yet to come. How can I remind myself of this Every day, And if each of us daily reminds ourselves of those virtues and daily live out those virtues, what kind of a community will we be? How will we be different from this world, which is so passive and pessimistic and self-centered? I think we'll be very different. And I think we'll be very attractive to, the, to a world in which this is not always commonplace. Amen. You're going to do that? You're going to make a little note and put it up somewhere where you can see it first thing every day? I want to encourage you to do that. And don't only do that, but take a photo of it and put it on, on your small group's WhatsApp group and say, here's my, my little reminder for, for the four virtues of thankfulness, faith, love, and hope for this year. And I'm going to really try and daily remind myself to walk in these virtues and not only process last year through these virtues but approach this year through these virtues amen thanks for listening to this message from shofar joburg may the grace you receive produce god's greatest glory and your greatest good for more information and sermons please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com